Hey, I'm Ray. Hey, I'm Liz. And together we are Buzz with Ray and Liz. Just two kick-ass human beings who came up with an idea to celebrate the intricate web of humanity the best way we know how, with no filters. I already have a drink in my hand. Think of this as happy hour with two of your best friends. So sit down, take a sip, and enjoy. Hey guys, it's Liz again. Hey, it's Ray. And today we are going to talk about what's on Netflix and I think at least on my own social media accounts, everyone's talking about this documentary. So have you seen it already? I know you have, but have you seen the documentary American Murder, The Family Next Door? Yeah, I did. I I watched it because I like true crime. But um, can I just can I just squeeze something in? Dude, when I saw him for the first time, I thought he was so hot. Yeah, I think that's the whole point of it. (laughs) They were the picture perfect family and on top of that she was doing that mlm and he lost weight from it and i think that's what starts the whole affair so we'll definitely get right into it so on netflix right now streaming is the american murder the family next door the story of the of chris watts and shanann watts and her murder and murder of her two girls and her she was murdered while she was pregnant and what i read is the baby was killed through the strangulation so it is pretty sad um the thing about this documentary now i'm a big true crime fan like you are but i felt that this documentary fell short it it felt like i've already seen all this information and it wasn't anything new but those who hadn't seen it like a lot of my friends are not into all of the serial killers and crime like i am so this like blew their mind so a lot of the information we are going to discuss is about the documentary but there's going to be from a lot of different articles cuz there's a lot more available online than what this documentary is but it, it does come with a lot of trigger warnings the documentary is the murder on August 13, 2018, Shanann Watts and her daughters Bella and Celeste. Again, she was 15 weeks pregnant and they were going to have a boy named Nico. It does present as if Chris murdered his entire family because he wanted to start his new life with his mistress, Nicole Kessinger, who I think is in the Witness Protection Program, which I think you and I both saw that. They don't talk about that in the film. Um, so she's a whole different aspect and we'll get to it as well i do (laughs) want to start i do want to start off with just a overview of the family annihilator so i did pull this article from howard journal of criminal justice they had an article called characteristics of family killers revealed by first taxonomy study and this was three decades of study and they used it from newspaper archives the dates were the years were from 1980 to 2012 A lot of things were found in this article that was interesting. 71 family annihilators and 59 of them were male. 55% of those were in their 30s and 10% were in their 20s. August was found to be the most common month for the killing to take place. Half of these murders were committed over the weekends, especially on Sunday. And they contribute this fact to the possibility that these were separated families and on Sundays is typically when fathers return to their their children to their mothers and they're not working 81% of these men attempted suicide after the horrendous act and the 
the article kind of refuted that murderers were unhappy, frustrated men. 71% of these men were employed from surgeons to um, just full-time work. So it wouldn't necessarily say these people were unhappy. Now, I don't know. We haven't, we will go into it, but it could be some financial issues with it. But to portray them as if they were lonely, desperate people who had no call, no duty is refuted in this. 60, 66% um, was based off of family breakup. Financial difficulties, again, was the second most cited motive. And then it was followed by honor killing and mental illness. Oh, geez. It, yeah, it's, it, can, it gets a little deep. Um, they didn't identify four types of annihilators. The first one is the self-righteous type. And this is the type of, like, the father, he blames the mother for the breakdown of their family. It may involve a phoning to call the mom to explain to the mom what he's about to do. They believe that being the breadwinner is the key to the ideal family. And I've I've heard other 911 calls or I've seen a lot of true crime stories where they have the phone calls saying or text messages these days where they're reaching out to the mom and the mom's at work and she gets these text messages or these voicemails saying that he's about to kill his kids. So I've heard this a few times and it's to me it's extremely scary because I could not imagine thinking you're at work and your children are safe and and to see this on a break there is the other type is disappointed this is when the father believes his family has destroyed the vision of the ideal family by the way they act so he is self-centered and he believes that his children his his wife are not acting in the ways that an ideal family should act Mm-hmm. This is kind of linked to religious traditions or cultural customs. I believe this is probably where the honor killing um, is kind of pushed a little bit. Anomic is the third type. This believes that the ideal family is linked to the economy. He views his family as a result of his own economic success. If he faces economic failure, he sees his family no longer serves their function. So this is kind of based off of I may be going through a bankruptcy and since I cannot financially, you know, take care of them or maybe I'm financially successful. I don't want to deal with my family anymore. This kind of contributes to that. The last one is paranoid. And this is the belief that there is an external threat to the family. So they use the example that social services who do not side with the father and he is afraid that his his children may be taken away. So he murders his own family because he truly believes he is protecting them from the separation. So all of these annihilators are extreme, but they are categorized in a different form of killers because there's like the spree killers. And this is just its own little, its own little characteristic type. It's fucked up. All of it is. Yeah. yeah, It's, it's scary. I think that the financial part is probably the most scariest, especially since pandemic 2020 is making it feel like, people who may not be on the right track could be a lot more affected by all of this. So do you think that there's going to be a rise of family annihilators real soon or I hope not, but I think it's going I think it's a lot more common than people make it 
seem like it is. I think this specific case blew up because Shanann was heavy on the social media. Like through the whole mm-hmm. documentary, she it's it's mainly her footage. Like I know for me, and this isn't just crime, but you know, if I have a friend talking shit about someone and uses their name I know immediately I'm gonna go search that person's name and when you search Shanann Watts like all of her footage pops up like she makes it very clear like she had the public persona and I mean let's go right in with Shanann she she worked as a a MLM product seller for oh geez yeah for Thrive by um the company Level it's I think it's pronounced Lavelle Lavelle. Oh, that's so fancy. I'm fancy. Yeah. Lavelle. It sounds very nice. It's like when you say Target, Target. It's like, Target. Yeah. Oh. yeah. But she did apparently make it to the 80,000 Club, which I think for MLMs, you know, they try to push like, hey, if you sell this much, you'll be under this tier and then this tier. And I think she made it up to the highest tier. And it's interesting because prior to all this, it showed that they had filed bankruptcy in 2015. Um, they had about 4,000 in liabilities, but they uh, did the Chapter 7 bankruptcy. And this is all prior to the MLM. The MLM also paid for so many of the trips. And that is what is really publicized in a lot of her posts. In the documentary, they talk about her going on vacation. I felt like they didn't really say it. Was, I felt like they didn't push MLM in this documentary they just made it seem like she was a high seller i don't feel like they talked much about it no they didn't i think they really talked about just basically chris watts and they didn't really talk about anything else and they really did shine Mm -hmm. on his mistress that we'll talk Mm -hmm. about later but i feel like there was a lot of information that they didn't put in the documentary itself and that's where it falls short in my opinion because when we have Mm -hmm. to look at these documentaries we need to look at it like fully like what are all the facts it just ended up looking like a lifetime movie to be honest i i do i felt like it was i agree with you i feel like it it was very biased and by all means not biased in the sense where what chris did wasn't horrendous that's fucked up it was just I didn't hear Shanann as a woman other than she sold for a company and she loved her family. Like there's so many pieces to a woman and I felt like they, they could have explored that more. Um, they kind of mentioned her, well, she mentioned in one of her stories how her and Chris met. She really portrayed it as he basically was, she came from a divorce and mm-hmm. he swooped her up and she, she kept trying to push him away and she, he kept, fighting for her so she did push it very much like she really really loved him the documentary kind of explores more of how she goes to North Carolina to visit her family for about six weeks Chris does Mm -hmm. show up there for a week and then he leaves and most of the documentary is her going and it it, it's not her talking it's like the text I can't see for shit so I had to like sit really close to my tv i don't wear my glasses in the house (laughs) i was like what's it say but basically it's just him and her texting back and forth and she's feeling he's not being affectionate anymore and and she also oh yeah yeah she texts some of her friends too about the drastic change remember i don't know if you remember that part where she talks about like hey chris or like my dearest chris i miss your touch i miss this i miss that and it was very like 
it was like a rom-com for me. Like, you know how romantic comedies are uh, yeah. like letters and stuff? It felt very unreal. Yeah, I felt it was a little <clears throat> dramatic. I'm married, and I definitely don't talk to my husband like that. Most of the time, it's like, did you clean them fucking dishes? I mean, that's, that's I love you. But it isn't these, oh, dear husband My dearest Chris. My, like, you know, like, I don't understand it. And I mean, nothing on her. Like, I... What happened to her was amazingly sad, and I would never wish that on anyone. But I wish that the documentary could have captured everything that was going on. Because regardless, you know, mm-hmm. if she died or not, the, to me, it's the babies yeah. that died. It's the fact that the children had to endure this and see this. Oh, yeah. And that's what really, really irks me. And like what you said earlier regarding like the MLM, do you think that Chris Watts and Shanann Watts are the byproduct of the American dream. Well, I mean, it's kind of, it, they kind of push it with the actual title of it, the the family next door. And I feel like that itself is the dream. They've always pushed, you know, the girl next door, the people next door. I know they try to make it where it's relatable that these people are next to you. That's how close they are to you. But it's, it's that constant feel like they're the ideal family. And I, I do think for MLM, um, products and and the lives they push they push like if you sell our products if you recruit these people then you're gonna have the dream life that everybody's dreaming well, for part of it is when you are selling an mlm and nothing on anyone any of our listeners that are selling it i do and i know this because i was mm. raised and born into the mlm world it's that you have to push vulnerability and you have to push oh. relativity, re, relatability and you have to push like this is the dream life. Mm-hmm. I'm like what you said, I'm living. So you got to live it the way I live it. And they definitely mm-hmm. go mm-hmm. after women or men that aren't in the position where they want to be in life. If you get what I mean. I mean, like what you said earlier, she was in chapter seven bankruptcy okay right and they were literally living with shanann's parents for an entire year right and i mean i i read somewhere that she and this was more of like i think someone's comments i don't even think this was an article so it they read it like on one of those blogs that she was like making 18 dollars an hour and he was going in and out of jobs type stuff but it is it was it when MLM is dropped onto you, it makes women who are stay-at-home moms feel like they can own a business. Like MLM pushes the idea that you're about to own a franchise. And I don't feel like that is the case. I, I've i had friends who did MLM. And let me tell you, I never want to see their messages. I'm like, oh, what the fuck do they want? What are they trying to sell? So you just kind of ignore those messages. So, I mean, that's pretty Mm -hmm. badass of her to move all the way up to the 80K club. Like, I don't think I know anybody who has ever gotten that high up there. So she was working her ass off. I do. Oh, really? I do. Yeah, I do. Like, I know some, but they work their asses off. Like, Mm -hmm. ideally, the people who have succeeded either have kids who are not, like, you know, who are already old or their kids are part-time with them, or they don't have any kids. Oh, wow. And, yeah. Well, it's interesting so. because she's, like, coming from one of her trips in the documentary, in the, well, in the actual story and the act. She arrived back home around 2 a.m. the night before. Her friend is possibly, 
outside of Chris, the last person that saw her alive, she was coming back from one of her trips. So it does seem to take a lot from a person. Like you have to do a lot and then they reward mm-hmm. you when you beat their goals. So I don't know. Like, and I read a lot of things online saying, you know, this is social media's fault. But I'm like, in a way it is. But at the same time, uh, going back to the episodes that we did before with the social dilemma, if you guys mm-hmm. haven't checked it out, go check it mm-hmm. out. But... I feel like because she was getting pushed to kind of provide this life on screen that she probably failed to notice the what's going on in yeah, the situation. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Like, she became trapped in her own bubble. And that's what I said, my dearest Chris. You normally see that in, like, rom-coms or, right. like, pride and prejudice or like (laughs) some type of show like that's not for me and to anyone who writes like that no shade on you don't at me please i'm sorry but (laughs) it's it was just like unreal yeah it definitely felt like she wasn't talking on how people actually talk and i I agree with you like the job itself was so demanding that sometimes she i mean they had bankruptcy so maybe she never wanted to put her family back into that so she felt extra push to make sure that she can hit those goals because she was trying to provide so that that's a whole different thing like you do become disconnected and maybe she thought like Mm -hmm. maybe i'm a a little distance to my husband so here's a way to be a little bit romantic to show him and then you realize oh this motherfucker is not giving it back because i know if i tell my husband i love you and he doesn't respond right away i I will be fuck you then so i mean I, I'm not as sweet as Shanann, but he loves it. We joke around. We get along great. That's just how we talk. We're like buds. Um, but I can see how if he has been a certain way this entire time, her mind is really building her family and pushing them forward. His hesitation, plus on top of that, she's pregnant. So these are hormones. Like these are extra hormones in her. So little things could add up. And in the text messages, he... he comes off like he is acting like everything is fine he's like no i was just asleep no there's nothing wrong of course i love you but i think as a person who has been in a long-term relationship been married you can feel the distance and you can feel it in the text messages you can feel certain things so i i feel like her instincts was was correct like yeah she may have been into her job but she knew something was going on and it wasn't right she started telling her her family that something wasn't going on she i read on crimeonline.com that shanann had planned to have a gender reveal party the same week she was murdered she actually decided to cancel this because she felt the troubles in her marriage i mean she felt something and oh, it, it it's so sad because there are, I if you listen to the documentary, if you watch the documentary, if you listen to podcasts, there are no obvious self defense wounds on her, which is or on him. Yeah, and he, I'm not going to go too much into detail of his bullshit story, but of course he tried to make it seem like it was her. But the fact that she didn't have any self defense wounds is is shows that whatever he said is not true because it takes a while to strangle someone to death it isn't like you strangle them in 30 seconds and they're dead like you there's something that had to have happened to her like she was either passed out like she may have i don't know if he's it they never say in anything but 
she maybe she was just that exhausted because she was pregnant um, or she had some type of sleeping aid that was given to her. But I don't see someone in three minutes not waking up unless something happened to her and maybe he hit her on the head but they never talk about those type of wounds and once no they didn't really talk about it like and i think the reason why they didn't really talk about it was because he confessed i was thinking that could be it he was uh, he was represented by a public defender and with that maybe the defense team didn't provide the defense that could have at least given a different narrative um, so there was no need to do all that. Maybe the investigation, they didn't have to come back and fight with him. Um, so it's that's what made the documentary feel empty to me because it was, again, it was not an, I guess it kind of felt like a lifetime film. And then boom, you, he, he's sentenced to trial and he's, yeah. he's, you know, he's convicted. I did think that when the neighbor came in, and we're showing the footage like he solved the crime in 20 minutes you you could see him backing up the truck and he took three three trips into the truck like that's that's three people right there so like he's he solved the crime immediately there is the mistress in the film and it is nicole kessing kessinger and again we she's under the witness protection program i saw that on parade.com um -hmm. and i heard it from you that she is in there um, she claims that she had found out about the news about Shanann through the news and she had no idea that he, him and her were still actively married and that she was even pregnant. If you Google her or look on the internet, you will hear her talking to the investigators. I did read that she deleted her text messages before speaking to the police. Now, I'm going to assume the police recovered those text messages and ruled her out on it. But mm-hmm. I don't have that clarification. Obviously, they did not investigate her and they're protecting her. So there is no charges meant on her. The affair had started like two months before the murder itself. So that would have put Shanann at about two months pregnant. So he knew she was pregnant when they started dating. Because typically when you're, you um, find out you're pregnant, it's about a month in is when you find out. So... He, it, it's just crazy like he knew she was pregnant and he still felt that now was the time to start an affair did you see much about nicole when in any of your research um i think everyone just started really finding out about her because of this documentary i looked up um, all of her i looked up her images she she's built very nicely um <laughs> she's built very nice yeah she's built very nicely but just kind of the stuff that she talks she doesn't they show that she like looks up Amber Frey, who is linked was the mistress to Scott Peterson, who was tried for killing his wife Lacey Peterson, and just recently they got him off the death penalty because some new information. So I guess we'll keep mm-hmm. watching how that goes. Um, and she she came off in her she didn't come off lovely, but again she can't convict her. She didn't. They don't have anything to prove any charges against her. But I do think it's crazy to believe that she deleted her text messages before speaking to the police that's the only thing i think is a little bit weird but again she may have just not wanted her dirty laundry air you know air casted so it could have just been Mm -hmm. completely that so i i don't i don't know i know that people think that she's involved i don't see any proof about that so i at this point i don't see anything that sways that 
Now, I feel like it was all finances. I mean, I'm just going to lay it out there. You think it's finances? Like, what do you mean? I think it's about finances. I just feel like in the end of the day, he knew the situation. And I felt like he was playing along with the charade. And he already, like, I I bet you he already knew. He's like, well, I'm I'm broke anyway, so what's there to kind of lose, you Well, know? in her interview, when you hear it on there, she talks about when she goes into his into their house, which, damn, bitch, you let your mistress in your house. You're supposed to not <sighs> do that. But she talks about the house was, like, $400,000. There was, like, night. Everything looks so nice and expensive. Can we talk about how much he makes? How much does he make? Did you Google it? $61,470. Damn, you went down to the nuts and nuts and grill or whatever the saying is. And she makes 80K, I think. So that household. Supposedly. But the 80K is actually her production, not how much she actually makes. So you can sell 80K worth of products. But oh. only get one to two percent of that. So let's oh, really? let's let's. I'm not. I'm. It may be you know Asian, but I don't know math. So. <laughs> that Asian. Um, eighty times one percent. So she's probably only making like let's see, she's probably only making less than twenty thousand dollars a year. Not if she's making. Not if she's hitting that big gift trip. I mean, they would took her to Costa Rica, Costa Rica. Um, well, yeah, but that's where they get you. That's where they get you. But they pay for that. Yeah, they pay for that. But does it mean you're only getting a small amount of percentage? You're 80% or whatever, $80,000. You're only getting like a certain small percentage of that. And remember, you have uplines who basically get what you get. So it just trickles up. So you basically get the lowest of the lows and they get more. Wow. Does that make sense? Yeah, they the, they own the f- little franchise MLM. Yeah, thing. it does it doesn't make sense also the fact that if you watch a documentary and I'm a Lexus girl, I used to have a Lexus, but I got into an accident. Mm. Um that ain't good. Um she had a new Lexus in the garage. I think he was like this is what she drives. Yeah, I th- and she points that out. She makes a big deal out of that. So it is it very even for someone like her, she saw it as status. I mean, the the mistress saw it as status. I mean, with the combined efforts minus all the stuff you just said, it's a it's a potential of that family making 140,000 a year. They don't go into any other detail other than that, you know, the bankruptcy before then. Um I don't know if it's the finance thing. I can, I can see it as in it's an escape to financially get away from his family. Death is never the answer for that. Maybe they, they mentioned that he, and it wasn't in the documentary, but they, they mentioned in multiple podcasts like Crime Junkie and Sword and Scale that he wanted the abortion. So it seems like he did not want the financial stress that comes with parenting and a household mortgage i think their mortgage was like three thousand a month and that's that's pretty up up there i don't know how they shared their money they had to have shared a bank account because she saw that he spent like sixty dollars at a pub so he she kind of knew you don't spend that much money so they do share their money at least um so i yeah, i think that he had a separate account he had a secret account. I think it was his business account. I thought it was like his And business. then he gave no fucks and was like, I'm going to just use it. And that's when she found out. I just, I personally, the way I look at it is, A, I think he, he played along with it. And I think he was, a, I think she was already like, I think she was a broken person before. Because she's talked about it. She was in the lowest of her lows when he came around. So he already knew 
what type of woman she was in a way that she was broken and he probably Mm. thought he could easily manipulate that but turns out she became you know she was like yeah stronger woman um but still had issues with her marriage and thus why the mlm you know kind of went after well i could kind of see that point of view like she she did use her vulnerability against her i mean she does Mm -hmm. say it in her own films you can catch yourself like she was very broken when she met him so maybe he was going back to that and thinking that she would still be a broken person not realizing a lot of things have changed since then and he was so blinded by his sexual rage but part of the documentary is they said that he was getting that like because he felt emasculated from the relationship or whatever supposedly and so he was getting those same emotions that i think he wanted to feel like a man or just to feel like he was in control with the mistress but i don't know how much of that is true and how much he's saying is true because we don't know all the facts and i'll be honest with you i don't i don't know all the facts at this point because he pleaded guilty so we're never going to see that true trial where he goes up and they're able to, like, talk about what's going on. Yeah, because he pleaded guilty to it. Right. I didn't get that from the documentary. I actually didn't get his point of view other than it took him a long time to confess. And it even took him a long time to cry about the horrendous act of killing his children. Because he, he wanted to. He knew at that moment he wanted to kill his kids. And I read an article from um i believe it was cnn Mm -hmm. cnn did something on him and they said that he basically knew that he was going to kill his kids right he knew that he was going to tuck them in he knew that that was the last time like you if you know and you have and you were supposedly numb to it but then you can still text your mistress and have like that emotion fucked up like you know like i i don't think i honestly don't think that that's why when i say supposedly like um, you know, he was emasculated, blah, 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 blah. I don't think he was emasculated. That's how he felt. I felt like he just wanted control. I think that's something that the defense team, if he would have had a real defense team, that's what they would have played at, but he didn't, and which is good and kind of bad. I at think the they same tried time. to play insanity. Mm, wrong. They tried to play insanity, and they were like, no, you can't do that. Um, but I personally, I think that's what it is. And I think the other thing that kind of sways in his direction, as I'm going to say it again, is he's like Ted Bundy. He's good looking. You would have never known. Ted Bundy was a whole different k- killer. He was very charming. I don't find Chris. Well, I thought he was cute. <laughs> he just he just so happily he is attractive. He he and he and they show you know there's a lot of footage of him without a shirt and they make him they make him good looking and the girl is good looking too. So they're both attractive. But I think that's the whole. I think that's the whole attraction to this case. Everybody in this who's part of this madness and sadness is good looking. Like the mistress exactly. is good it's looking. Exactly. Like, it's like the Lacey Peterson and, and Fred forgot his name. Yeah. It's kind of like that. But it, like what I told you, I think honestly to God, he's just a narcissist and he, he had no, he already knew what he was going to do. I think that was premeditated. I don't. I don't feel like I have enough to understand his motive, but based off of the characteristics, I would say that it's a nomic where his ideal family is linked to financial success. And again, it's kind of mm-hmm. like what you were saying for the money wise. I think that he 
was linking his what makes him happy would be with the mistress and that the financial stuff taking child support marriage the house everything in his name he wanted to erase that he did take his daughters the day they were found missing out of school that's suspicious there were a lot of suspicious things during just the media coverage he wasn't wearing his wedding ring he just came off very he was not a likable person so i think that's the reason why ted bundy he's not like ted bundy because ted bundy in his interviews came off as a likable charming guy and this he he just seemed like he may have planned this act but he did not plan how to cover it up and make it make sense and i think maybe he never planned for shanann watts's friend to call the police like that so her friend who's also named nicole it's nicole atkinson she mentioned um in the interview with abc news she's the one that dropped shanann off at 2 a.m and then reported her missing the next day she Mm -hmm. stated i know that chris and her were having some issues about three weeks prior to everything happening but as far as the social media and what actually went on behind closed doors i do not know so I kind of think that is actually the the biggest lesson for this whole documentary. We do not know what's going on behind closed doors. I have a few friends, again, I, I feel like we might be attacking MLM um, selling, but I do have quite a few friends on my own social media accounts, Facebook, that they promote MLM selling and it is very similar to Shanann and even though Shanann um, was very public on her social media it's easier to, to find her feel connected to her but she feels very much like my friends who sell they are constantly not only are they selling a product they're recruiting people but they are constantly selling their own family I see so many doctor doctored pictures of it looks like my my friends who are taking pictures with their husbands and their kids and it's so easy to make everyone wear a similar outfit and and show off to being the girl the family next door so i took off that this could happen again and not only could this happen like we may not know something is going to happen until the crime is committed and that is probably the scariest thing i can think of um, what do you think is one of the scariest lessons from this documentary? I think that everyone has an ability to kill each other. <laughs> I mean, that's a, from every single true crime, right? No, I think the, the the number one thing that is scary to me is if I'm watching somebody on social media mm-hmm. who I think is an influencer, who I think is a blogger, mm-hmm. blogger, somebody who is always on social media showing off their family, mm-hmm. what goes behind, like what goes behind closed doors like what happens mm-hmm. when they shut off that camera like am i gonna see this person do something crazy or is something crazy going to happen to them like it's kind of all the what ifs yeah. because like we said in the social dilemma we focus ourselves differently on camera than we do in real mm-hmm. life and i think that's where the blur is and i think that's what's really scary because you end up being trapped in your own dark mirror like episode because you think you see what you like what who they are but in reality it's not and it's that facade and kind of like that mass that's super duper scary and and like what i said i know 
this is at least to me it's the byproduct of the american dream because the american dream mm. is meant to be something that's so flashy that's so amazing yeah. and and that's what I believe. Like, I think that yeah. this is the byproduct of the American dream. And mm -hmm. if we continue on this route, and I remember, I forgot what, um, I was watching an episode on true crime and mm -hmm. they were talking about like, in like killings like this, that it's like what you said, it's very common. And for me, that's like, okay, so how common is it? Right. What's the frequency of that? And I feel like that. Exactly. I think that seems to be undertone. Again, I'm just as big. If I'm not, I'm, I feel like if anyone follows me on anything, all I do is talk about serial killers and true crime. And the whole podcast is built on how pop culture has fucked us up. We talk about, like you were saying, I mean, our first episode is reality TV versus reality. Are we projecting reality or are we projecting off of what we are told reality should look like um and then also with the true crime added into the mix i suspect anyone could be the killer when i see mlm yeah. now i'm like holy shit is do they have financial issues are the is there a, a a terrible marriage under underneath that what do i need to do do i need to be are you just active? keeping up with the jones like are you a massive you know? debt yeah i mean you don't you don't know and you can't you can't say everyone is a serial killer unless you're like me and i think everybody is so don't talk to anybody guys don't talk to anyone they're all serial killers or we're surrounded but you, <laughs> you can't do that because you, yeah you're gonna end up being one of those people afraid to leave their houses and i think end of the day like I, the number one thing in relationships when I heard divorces mm -hmm. is your finances. Mm. So I think it's about being open with your finances and talking about it and definitely being like vulnerable enough to be like, hey, this is where I'm at or this is what's happening. And the ability to say no, you know. Um, but I do feel like that's where some Americans fall is they don't like to talk about finances or they cover up their finances. I'm not saying finances is the cause of, you know, what this pig did, but I do think that that played a major part in it. So, um, and I'm not a financial expert, but I know Liz knows some people. So <laughs> if you guys want to come go, if you guys want to know some financial experts, please message us on our Instagram or Facebook at Buzz with us. So yeah, we'll send you yeah. the right way. I do think that also one of the major call to action is kind of listen to your friends. Listen to your friends when they are having marital problems and not necessarily we know the difference between friends who it seems like every day they have marital problems and then boom they are back to being fine and it's a constant rotation of that feeling you're happy you're unhappy but through this documentary it never felt like shenan was like this before so if you have friends who may have the mlm life or maybe they are having what looks like the picture perfect life and they break and they make comments to you saying something is up, I think it's time to definitely listen to those friends. Because what I've learned, the stronger you are, the harder it is to be vulnerable. So kudos to her best friend, Nicole Atkinson, who really pushed all of this. And quite quickly, we need to be more friends like that. We also need to be a lot like the neighbor and and kind of just notice what is happening in our neighbors lives now of course i don't talk to my neighbors especially during this social climate I, my neighborhood i don't even like my neighbors and i truly believe it if ain't the husband it's the neighbor that's gonna kill you but you do need to kind of be aware of your neighbors just i don't 
see watching them but if something looks off maybe it's kind of time to just if you see anything bring it up that neighbor was good to notice those things and also the camera caught a couple footage that made it seem iffy but definitely listen to your friends when they're having hard Mm -hmm. times um other than that we will catch you guys next week um if you like like ray said reach out to us if you need any assistance if you have additional comments if you need to correct us we'll eventually have one of those like uh correction type podcasts where everyone calls us out and we read your shit back and say oh this is what just said and we may or may comply or not but definitely reach out to us other than that ray that's all i got for this episode I think that's all I have, too. And like what I said um, earlier, come reach out to us because we want to hear from you guys. We want to know more. We want you to add us. Just don't at me on my pronunciations, okay? <laughs> I am a second. Uh, this is my second home. I'm from the Philippines, <laughs> so don't come at me. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you guys so much, and I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you. Bye. Bye.